0: Welcome in Hokies fans to this week's edition of the Tech Sideline podcast. Got a great show for you. We're going to talk rail yard dogs to begin things. A lot of football content today. And we're going to tell you what to be on the lookout for with upcoming TSL content, some basketball articles, and so much more. That's coming up on episode 296 of the Tech Sideline podcast. And we get things going right now. We record on Wednesday, May 3rd, 2023 from our high-tech studio at the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center right here in Blacksburg, Virginia. We welcome you in, whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Or if you're watching us on YouTube, if you do happen to be on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe while you're over there and also turn on the notification bell so you don't miss any future TSL content. Tech Sideline is presented by First Bank and Trust Company. First Bank and Trust Company is the bank that puts you first. Visit www.firstbank.com to learn more more all right let's go ahead and introduce everybody on this set to my right managing editor david cunningham across the way senior staff writer andy bitter i'm your host giovanni heater and back behind the scenes today carter hill fellas how you doing thanks so much for hopping on today
1: yeah doing well it's good to be here a little cold today yes it's gonna feel more like spring in the upcoming days but this is the last like hurdle to get over for the spring i think
0: i was told If I moved to the south, it would be nice and warm compared to (laughs) Syracuse. And then now that I'm telling everyone it's too cold, they're like, well, you're not really in the south. This isn't like Georgia. And I'm like, everyone said it was going to be warmer. you're in the mountains. The mountains skew
2: everything. That's a good point. But, But yeah, doing well. Chris is in England, or he's on his way to England. And Will is – Big King Charles fan there. He wanted to get out there for the coronation. (laughs) Yeah. Um, For those of you who are Premier League fans, uh, check out – watch Tottenham, Crystal Palace – Ten o'clock on Saturday morning, I believe Chris Coleman will be somewhere in the second row. You'll see Uh, him on TV. Yeah, will he be rocking Tottenham gear, or will he will he
1: represent his Virginia Tech fandom when he's there? I heard he was wearing a
2: powdered wig. So (laughs) it's so it's very (laughs) it's very interesting because like one of the things with like European soccer fans is they don't like you rarely see like the true fans like wear jerseys. They don't really wear jerseys. They like they they wear scarves. They've got the scarves, but they but they'll dress up in, you know, jeans and a sweatshirt or sweater and wrap a scarf around their neck. Pretty like basic clothing and then a scarf. So I I assume that's probably what, Chris is Chris is probably fitting in. He's been there many, many times. He's probably fitting in. Uh, he probably knows how to like make himself look like a local. Well, when you're out there being a hooligan,
1: getting into fights, you don't want to get blood all over the
0: jerseys. So it's probably a smart move. I just find the concept comical. Just think of a crowd of crazy British soccer fans. And then Chris, your favorite Southwest Virginian in that mix. It's just, uh, he he he
2: fits right in. Does he? All right. Um, yeah, and obviously, Will, Will is not here today. Yes, his
0: wife is getting a root canal. So, best of luck to Mrs. Stewart. Um, but, oh, the Rallyard Dogs last <laughs> night uh, ended up with a big uh, two to one win in overtime. Take home the President's Cup. Feels like it's a big deal here in, I know we're in the New River Valley, but up in the Roanoke Valley.
2: The only disappointing thing, first of all, shout out Chip Grub, yes. who covers helps cover softball for us. Minority owner of the Rail Yard Dogs. Is so, this true? I saw a tweet that Chris Coleman is also a minority owner. Is this I true? I don't know about that. one. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we might need Chris to confirm this. I don't. I don't think he's a minority owner. Um, the only bummer is that Aaron McFarling was not there to write a column about it. He might have been there in attendance. I don't know. He likes those rail yard dogs yeah, live he, hockey. If, if he was there as a fan,
1: live hockey have... is awesome. I haven't been over to one of those games, but live ho- like there's, there's not a greater disconnect between watching a sport on TV and watching it live. If you watch a live hockey game, you will be instantly hooked. And yeah. this is my inner Minnesotan coming out here. I'm, I'm biased <laughs> towards this. i sort of lapsed on hockey because I only have so much bandwidth uh, to pay attention uh, to sports these days, but uh, live hockey—like if you go, you will be hooked because it is—it is an exciting thing to watch in person.
0: All right, what is the best? You were talking about how you used to go to these games. Um, you used to cover this team. It, somewhere in Georgia. Is that what you Columbus, said? Georgia. Columbus, Columbus, Georgia. Columbus
1: uh, Ledger Enquirer. You Georgia. said that
0: they played some awesome fight songs. So, <laughs> what were the songs that they've dropped right when the fight, when the, drubs, the when the gloves dropped? What did they amp up? First of all, that's the only reason that people went to those games out there
1: <laughs> was to drink beer and then wait for the fights, and they got really excited because this was an exciting game that I covered. It was just one game that I covered filling in, and it was a 5-4 to four game, and I think uh, the Columbus team rallied to win that one. But the fights, when the fights happened and the gloves dropped, that arena just came to life. And, like, you know that the music people were, like, ready for it because they had, like, the offspring. You got to keep them separated. Like, they pressed <laughs> that button the instant it happened or mama – Mama Said Knock You Out, LL Cool J. <laughs> like, I think there were a couple fights, and they played those songs immediately. So you know on their little board of of however they do it, they just have it's like, fight one, fight two, <laughs> fight three, play all those songs. But uh,
0: live hockey, I, I'm all for it. I got to get to a game next year for sure. All right. Well, congrats once again to the rail yard dogs and chip grub. He just seems to be like the biggest rail yard dogs fan, the biggest tech softball fan. He's all over the place. So, uh, and he's one of ours. So, uh, congrats to them. Let's get into our football conversation here, gentlemen, first and foremost, some news. Uh, it seems like we have new news in this department every week, but, uh, some football players transferring out cam Johnson out of the cornerbacks room, I'd say maybe the most surprising up to this point guy to say, Hey, I'm going to enter into the portal. What do you guys think?
1: Yeah, I think when I look at guys who left and their position on the two deep and where they could have been, Cam Johnson's one I could have seen competing for that number four cornerback spot very easily. And uh, he wasn't the biggest guy, but, you know, a lot of cornerbacks that can have come through here, Greg Stroman, uh, guys like that weren't the biggest guys when they initially enrolled. So, you know, I think there was growth there in the future potentially, but he was a four-star guy from just a couple classes ago. So that's one that was a little bit surprising to me. Uh, spoke with Brent Pry, uh, sit down interview earlier this week. Christian Moss is also not returning to the team. It does not sound like he's transferring. I think he's just going to be, a regular student at oh, Virginia really? Tech. And, okay. uh, you know, they have this first-time first, co- first time, or head coaches, new head coaches rule, I think is what it's called, where you can remove somebody from the roster, they stay on scholarship. Mm. Uh, Brent Pry has up through... August 1st. I think it's essentially his first 18 months as head coach to remove anybody from the roster he wants to, but they can stay on scholarship in school, not count against your scholarship numbers for the team. Okay. Uh, DJ Sims did this previously. I I think it sounds like it might be the same route for Christian Moss. Uh, but I, I, it it, right now, it just sounds like he's not going to continue to play football. So that's, you know, since the start of spring, that's 10 guys, that have laughter before spring, right before that 12. If you go back to the start of the semester, Nike, Hawkins didn't return uh, Dean Ferguson, medically retired. So they're at 83 scholarships right now. They are 82 scholarships. I should say three to play with under the 85 limit and uh, gives them a little flexibility here to pursue guys in the transfer portal.
0: I find that very interesting. I was under the impression that he was entering in the portal. When I was Christian Moss, the guy, I think it was, that coach pry had talked about. You yeah. know, felt like there was a little bit of a lapse. He
2: was on this podcast, okay? I believe, yeah. Coach per- yeah, Br- you're right. Br- Br- Pry, yeah, you right. It was, was on, on our here. show, yeah. Right. Um, when when he mentioned that he thought Moss should have, he thought there would there was more out of out of Christian Moss, and he was, ex- I think, I believe he was expecting Christian Moss to like walk in his office and basically say like, "I'm done," right? And Christian Moss, this was in between the fall and spring semesters. And he basically walked in and said, you know, I want to do this and I'm committed and blah, blah, blah. So, um, I don't know. He's a guy. And then like, he said he showed it though. Yeah. Like he, he said he made leaps and bounds yeah, during the winter workouts. He was a guy, I think he's the other guy along, with Cam Johnson. that I'm kind of surprised about, um, Kyrie Moiston entered. Um, I, I think I'm more, I'm a little surprised at that one simply because of, that numbers at that position. Like they didn't have a lot of depth there to begin with. Um, but yeah, Christian Moss was a guy who was kind of in, he was in that two deep and he kind of had a role and then he kind of didn't. And he played well at times and, um, seemed like he never really found that consistency in, in that too deep. And then of course you bring in this new wave of, um, of all these wide receivers, you know, three transfers and Tucker Holloway and Steven Gosnell improve, um, kind of seems like he got squeezed out a little bit. So, um, Well, and he missed
1: the spring game. He, he had his hand wrapped, yeah. uh, so I don't know exactly what was going on there, but that's the reason he was out for the spring game. So I, I don't know. It's tough to speculate. I did say when I was talking to Pry, he, he said that he has had guys come back out of the transfer portal or have changed their mind over things. He he's mentioned one guy at Penn State that came back out of the portal and actually started for them yeah. uh, later on there. So he, he's not completely closing the book. On anything like that, but you know, it kind of uh, depends on circumstances and how yeah. they arrive, and, and you know, how many spots they have, if, if it's possible. So, I wouldn't completely close the book on all of these guys, but for for a lot of them, yeah, I think it's they've moved on. I,
2: I think the one, the other one that's interesting, like you said, is Cam Johnson. Um, he was a guy who was in. He, he Tech was so thin after Dorian Strong went down a cornerback that Cam Johnson was a guy who was like, okay, he might actually see legit playing time. Um, and when one Delane went and did what he did and, and started to earn that consistent playing time. Cam Johnson was kind of right there. Um, and then he got hurt towards the end of the year. Um, you know, and he spent a, a good bit rehabbing, but, Um, with Derek Canteen, who of course was on the Triumph Spotlight earlier this week. That's going to go live today. Yeah. uh, Mansoor, Delane, Dorian Strong. You got three three solid cornerbacks right there. Um, I think Cam, it seemed like Cam Johnson was going to be that fourth guy. Like, or he, he, Possibly. He had that talent to be that fourth guy. He was kind of in the running, I, I yeah, guess Yeah, and, you know, uh, Antonio Koppin
1: was here early yeah. in a freshman class. I think they really like those young freshman corners who are coming in. Dante Lovitz, one of the headliners in this class, I think. And, you know, we'll see how quickly those guys can get up to speed. Uh, you know, you're not going to have a Monsoor Delane every year <laughs> that shows up and, you know, basically – July and then he's starting by October, whatever it was when he took over. That that's unusual, yeah. uh, which is why I think you know you see Pry now looking a little bit in the transfer portal would like to add another veteran defensive back because they sort of have those five experienced guys in the secondary. Uh, you know, I'll put Delane in that group, even though he's young, he's uh, you know performed very well Might last be the best year. One. Yeah, and and then there's you know a gap, and you look at the backups, and you're talking about you know, true freshman, possibly a cornerback. You're talking about Moe's Phillips, a true freshman at safety. essentially going to be pretty much Jaylen all true Jones. except for Jalen yeah, Jones, who Jones who transferred converted over. Jalen Jones converted wide receivers. So uh, there's they're trying to find somebody that can bridge that gap between
0: the experienced guys they have on the roster now and the, sort of the next generation of cornerbacks here. Well, you talked to Coach Pry. You mentioned your interview with him yesterday. I want to kind of wrap up the transfer portal conversation because you also have listed here some other guys that there may be targeting coming on in as well. Yeah, there are three spots, really, they're looking at. Offensive line, defensive line, defensive
1: back. And they have three spots to play with, and we'll, we'll see how that uh, plays out here. Offensive line, they're really uh, – really would take anybody anywhere, I think. They don't have great tackle depth. They're still sort of trying to solve that right guard spot. You know, Bob Schick, Jesse Hansen have played there. Uh, Caden Moore could move back there if they land a center. I know Troy Everett uh, from Appalachian State has visited here already. Uh, the Hokies would like him. There's some you know, fierce competition to get him out of the portal there. Uh, perhaps the lure of playing close to home is is going to be enough for, for him to come here. Uh, defensive line, I think they definitely need an edge rusher. Um, I think they would take a tackle because they have uh, three seniors that are done after this year and that sort of uh, need that sort of next wave of defensive tackles to shore that up. But in the immediate... Uh, moment right now they need somebody that can get after the quarterback. They don't have a lot of guys like that on the roster. Antoine Powell Ryland from Florida, a uh, guy out of Portsmouth who was a pretty highly decorated recruit a couple years ago. I know they liked him a lot. Uh, he visited here yesterday or at least was scheduled to yesterday. Not sure if uh, actually followed through on that. I would imagine he did, but He would be an excellent addition. There's going to be a lot of competition to to get him. Uh, You know, but they're looking for somebody to get after the quarterback because they don't have a lot of guys that have done that before. And then defensive back, as I mentioned before, just sort of a a bridge player. They they got one in Canteen that's got that versatility to play safety or corner, can do nickel stuff. I think they'd like to find another one like that. Demetrius Hill, I think from Florida International, was one that was supposed to be coming in today uh to, to visit so that's sort of where they're looking right now
2: yeah i think the interesting thing is um i think the db room is a little bit more interesting because like andy said you're not going to have a monsour every single year where it's a kid that that comes in and basically plays immediately right um and who knows he obviously would have would have played but had the injury to dorian strong not happened, it might have not been as instant um it was more that they needed him because they didn't have anybody else um I'm, I'm curious to see where tech goes to get a guy to fill that void um you mentioned everett um he's the guy that, that's been rumored um that he might be ne- tech's next pickup um he's got two crystal balls on 247 he's Lord he also ball- has an oklahoma offer yeah so that's and i think he was busy
1: in louisville sometime this week possibly yeah. so there's there's some competition out there. He's yeah,
2: he's a, a Lord bought guy. He went to high school with Connor Givens and Hunter McLean. So he's got two tech connections. Um, but yeah, like Andy said, a bunch of a uh, bunch of big time programs are, are pursuing him. And um, I think it goes back to the conversation we've had a lot where um, these transfer portal guys, especially on the offense and defensive line, if they're highly, you know, they don't even have to be highly touted. They're just, a solid player with a couple of years of eligibility left, you know, colleges are going to swoon over them just because um, there aren't necessarily that many guys that, that can come in and fit. Um, I believe it was you or Chris that said, you know, there are only so many big guys, large humans are in short supply. Exactly. So, um, you know, I think like Andy said, I I think tech's kind of, narrowing the focus now it just comes down to to whether or not you can get them but um but yeah the Hokies seemed like you know it's kind of wondering okay where's where's all the attrition coming from and all of a sudden in a couple days was like boom there's the attrition like the attrition came and went and okay now Virginia Tech sitting at 82 scholarships something I think people are going to be very
0: intrigued about is the fact that uh you said that Coach Price seemed to be very enthusiastic about having Tyler Bowen make the move to obviously use the offensive coordinator, but now uh, be in the quarterback room as well.
1: Yeah, he really doubled down on that whole move. Uh, you know, he said he's been invaluable in that quarterback's room. This is the quote he had. I think the move with Coach Bowen has to be one of the better decisions I've made to this point. Wow. Uh, you know, he feels very confident in that move. And, uh, you know, it's not an obvious move. I mean, you're talking about an offensive coordinator who's, he's only 33. He's only been a coordinator at the power five level for one year. And it was a dreadful year at that. I mean, it was terrible offensive numbers. There was nothing from those offensive numbers that you look at and you go, yep, that guy is the, the quarterback's coach of the future. And he's the guy that you want full control of the offense. But pry is very high on everything that Bowen brings to the table, his football IQ, his eagerness to learn, his consumption of scheme and, 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 other things like that. He's just a very curious individual, always wanting to learn stuff. And from a recruiting standpoint, he really likes having him in that room because he thinks there has to be a connection uh, between uh, the offensive coordinator and going out and being on the trail and trying to find these uh, quarterbacks, you know, from a national perspective, you're not just going to recruit quarterbacks in Virginia uh, you know, Virginia hasn't produced a really good quarterback in a while. That's one of the issues uh, locally that's been happening here. So uh, they're heaping a lot on the Tyler Bowen plate right now, and it's a big bet, and we'll see if it pays off in the future. But Brent Pry is very high on him right now.
2: Yeah, I think it's really interesting, right, because this is the, this is the topic that's going to – whether Tech does well or Tech – does poorly come this fall. I think this is kind of going to be one of the headlines, obviously that and the quarterback go hand in hand. Um, We've talked about it so many times before there seemed, it felt like there was a little bit of a disconnect between what the quarterbacks were doing and what, um, what Tyler Bowen wanted them to do. Like it just seemed everybody was kind of disconnected between the quarterbacks and, kind of everybody else um, last year at times. And, um, you know, it was interesting to kind of – we, you only can tell so much from spring ball, um, but all the quarterbacks, you know, the ones we talked to, when we talked to Grant Wells, you know, he's like, yeah, th- this move has been great. It's been seamless. Um, you know, I, I think everybody around the program has – talked about how positive of a move it's been. I'm curious to see when it comes to the fall, you know, what that product looks like on the field. And if Tyler Bowen has a better rapport with Kyron drones and Grant Wells and the rest of the quarterbacks as a result, I think that's a good thing. Um, Again, as Chris has said, it all, you know, Virginia tech success probably relies on, it comes down to whether or not Tyler Bowen is a good offensive coordinator, but I think his stock, he can improve as an offensive coordinator if he's closer with the quarterbacks. So that makes sense. Yeah. No, it does make complete and total sense. Well, nobody ever says that it's a bad fit. <laughs> That's nobody true. ever
1: says that this just isn't working. Uh, because, you know, I remember in recent years, people extolled the virtues of Tracy Clay's as a linebacker's coach. Let me tell you, that was a misfit uh, talking to people after the fact. Uh, Tyrone Nix is a safeties coach that was a misfit in, in hindsight. So nobody ever comes out ahead of time or when it's in the, in the middle of it going, yeah, this just isn't working, especially in the spring when everybody's positive about everything. So like you said, the, the proof will be in the record. The proof will be in the offensive improvement. If there is any this year Uh, you know, those numbers are hard to deny. So if, if you see an upshoot in the numbers, then yeah, it's probably working pretty well. And if not, you know, maybe not as rosy as everybody's making it out to seem.
0: Well, I want to ask you guys and kind of keep that quarterback conversation going a little bit, the order of the quarterbacks, the conversation here, Wells and drones. What did probably have to say about all that? Yeah, it's what you think is sort of what we've been saying here. This was his exact quote. I
1: told those guys, if we played today, which we're not, Grant would start and Kyron would play. But I think we've got two really good ones. Uh, which is interesting. I mean, he's basically saying they want to go with the two quarterbacks system. I, I don't know if it's necessarily an even rotation. It doesn't sound like that would be the case. Well, the saying is, it, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. That's so. true. But, you know, people, I don't know, I those, I don't know if those it'll, sayings it'll, are always true. It all
2: comes down to how you manage that.
1: Right. I mean, well, last year they had no quarterbacks. And they had no quarterbacks. So, you know, Fair. maybe this is an improvement to say they have two and have none. Uh I I think it's sort of what you expected. And Pry was quick to caution, you know, don't read too much into drones based on the spring game. He sort of drew the short stick there uh, with the second team offensive line. Uh, Couldn't do much behind them protection-wise. Uh, things like that. So it, I think he's encouraged by the progress of that group. Grant Wells looked pretty good this spring. He looked pretty good last spring, too. We'll see how that translates to the fall. But I think they're they're excited about having Kyron in the room, and it'll be interesting to see if that plays out. And I'm saying in this hypothetical game that they don't have right now, that would be the order and drones would play. We'll see if once they get to the season, if he's thinking the same way, that, uh, you know, do I want to take a series or two away from my starting quarterback and put in this other guy, In the game, you know, very few coaches, if any, ever have been able to manage that sort of rotation and have it not be a detrimental thing with the offense. But I I think it it just highlights the fact that he's pleased with the progress of Kyron Drone so far.
0: Did he happen to say anything about Pop Watson at all or his name didn't come up?
1: He did. He's pleased with with uh, Pop's uh, maturity. He calls him, you know, a little bit uh, mature for his age. Uh, sort of take charge and stuff. He says he he liked how he went out there and just, it was sort of like on a playground, like he just made plays and he looked comfortable and he was just kind of doing stuff out there. And I I don't know if that necessarily you can read into that, like he wasn't staying within the system. Well, he said uh, he got yelled at for that, that deep throw. Yeah, I wanted to reference that, is that, you know, that's sort of <laughs> something that. Uh, you go outside the boundaries of what the coordinator wants you to do. But, I mean, I don't know how much they can yell at you and you'd be like, well, I threw a touchdown pass in that right. play. So what do you want me to do? Not throw a touchdown pass? Uh, so, you know, basically my question was, are you concerned about your number three quarterback being a freshman? And he sort of talked about, you know, Watson and Whitkey didn't identify which one would be number three right now. Just sort of be mature for their ages, having, you know, quarterback quite a bit in high school, won a lot of games like that. So, Um, basically he was saying it is what it is. That's just sort of what the room is like. They like the number with four quarterbacks rather than six, what they had before. And, you know, quite honestly, if they get down to that third quarterback, they've got bigger problems. (laughs) than Just, you know, how mature that guy is. I, I think they could be in for a world of hurt if they have to get down to a freshman quarterback playing right away. Well,
0: I I always go like that. That happens sometimes where a team ends up playing their well, third quarter. How
2: many quarterbacks did NC State use last year? Like three, they did, four? and that and that freshman quarterback
1: that played beat beat Tech. Virginia <laughs> Tech looked pretty yeah. good.
0: I I hate to uh, everyone gets mad when I mention Syracuse, but Eric Dungey was a 4th string quarterback played as a freshman, and then he got concussed, and they went to a fifth string, and they only won four games that season, but you got to start somewhere. And then Eric Dungy ended up being pretty good and took him to 10 wins by his senior year. So sometimes when they start there, you know, there's room for growth there. But.
1: Yeah. It is. I think the quarterback room is in better shape than it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. I mean, you didn't have to get many injuries a couple of years ago before you're up at BC and Knox Kadum's the quarterback and they can't even complete a pass. Yeah. And you go, this is just not a, an op, an offensive operation that has any kind of hope. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't know what it'd be like if they got the third string here, but I think if Kyron drones had to go in the game, uh,
2: because Wells got hurt or something like that, I think they'd be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big thing is, um, they, they, they talked about last year how, yeah, Jason Brown and Grant Wells were kind of stride and stride, but we could tell that, that Grant Wells was ahead, um. This year, it actually feels like it's kind of stride and stride, and Brent Pry saying that he feels comfortable with both. Um, you know, that's the impression I feel like I and I got from from watching everything. Like, again, even though Drones did not necessarily have the best spring game because he was not behind the best protection, um, it seems like you know last year had Grant Wells gotten hurt. Which Virginia Tech was a little bit lucky, I think, that he didn't. Um, you put Jason Brown in the game, and I think Drones is a step up, um, and that's nothing against Jason Brown. But I think, you know, even the third string quarterback, the third string quarterback last year was Taj Bullock or Devin Farrell, and those guys, you know, now now you've got Pop Watson. So I think that again, the talent in the room continues to upgrade. Um, now it's can you go out and and show it on the field in the fall but um but yeah and i do think it's interesting to your point about just the third string quarterback being a freshman you know with devin farrell and taj bullock gone not that they had a lot of experience um they'd only ever played in one game combined and that was bullock in the pinstripe bowl um but there's not you know it's 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 wells who's been what a three four year starter uh, at the college level, drones who has limited experience at Baylor, and then nobody else's college experience. So, um, you know, I think it's important that they they figure it out and figure it out quickly, but, um, but I think it's good that, that Pry and, and the staff are confident about what they're doing. Last but not least for our football conversation, you had a section here that was kind of
0: interesting, some odds and ends uh, going on, maybe some position changes and uh, some unsettled things and question marks.
1: Yeah, you know, I asked uh, Coach Bry any position changes. Uh, He brought up Chance Black, and he's like, I've had this conversation with him. I'm not shying away with it. The possibility of uh, talking to him about moving to cornerback, they don't know if they're going to do it. Uh, and, of course, he says this on the heels of the best he's looked at running back in the spring game when he, you know, had two touchdowns and uh, produced on the ground like Bryce Duke did at running back as well. But, he, you know, he was talking about uh, just finding a spot for him to play. And they feel pretty good about Malachi Thomas, Bashaw Tutin as 1-2. One 1A one in some order at running back. And if you're the third or fourth string guy at running back, are you going to play that much?
0: You kind of need three, though.
2: Maybe not four. Kind but of. But, you know, he depends met, on injuries. You I know, think.
1: Bryce Duke is there. Uh, he really liked what Jeremiah Coney did this spring. Yeah. Perhaps that's uh, a factor in this whole thing and, and considering a move since, you know, Coney just got here as an early enrollee. And those freshmen – I think that, that you can play at running back as a young guy. Yeah, there's a blocking component that needs to come along, but a lot of running back is get the ball, see the hole, hit the hole. And a lot of that is instinctual uh, when you're out there. So I, I think there's a possibility for a freshman like Coney, uh, and Pry mentioned him specifically, uh, could get on the field in some capacity this year. But he likes Chance Black's toughness. He likes his, uh, his approach, the way he goes about the game. And he's like, how can we get you to help this team this year? If it's not at running back, and he did some kick return last year, uh, I don't know if he has a background at cornerback yeah, or, right. or what up. they see about it. But you know, they mentioned Jalen Jones in the in the safety room as somebody who moved over to defensive side is probably going to be in the two deep right now. Uh, could they move Chance Black and then do the same thing uh, at cornerback? I don't know, uh, but that that's something to consider going forward. He mentioned the right guard spot. That's that's something they're still trying to figure out. On the O-line, you know, he said that a lot of teams are looking for that sixth guy. Virginia Tech's still looking for that fifth guy to round out the offensive line. So that kind of tells you, you know, maybe what they're looking for in the transfer portal. And then, you know, the Mike linebacker spot is just an interesting one to me because it feels far from settled there. And Jaden Keller was a bit of a spring surprise. Uh, You have one of the McDonald brothers there. They have Alan Tisdale, Stone Snyder's coming in from VMI. I think they like the depth that they have that position more so than they did last year, but they don't have like a Dax hollyfield take charge guy. And that's what Pry wants is somebody who, uh, you know, regardless of whether he's right or wrong with the play call, everybody on the defense is going to follow and do what that guy says. They need somebody to lead that group, and I think that's going to be a work in progress right now.
2: So uh, as far as I'm aware, Chance Black. Only played running back in high school. I've never even uh, heard of
0: you could. I've heard of receivers making that move. I've never heard of a running well, back go so, to corner.
2: So, but
1: listen, this is how well Elijah Howard bounced back and forth yeah, a little bit when true. he was this here. This is
2: how athletic he is. Um, he finished fourth in the in. in he's from Georgia. Uh, he finished fourth in or sorry, he's from South Carolina, Robux, South Carolina. He finished um, fourth in the 2019 state meet in the triple jump. So he's a track and field guy. Um, he's an athletic. I, that doesn't surprise me. I do think it's interesting. Um, and the reason this whole conversation came up is because Bill Roth mentioned something about it. Um, and I went and listened to you know, the Level 7 podcast with him and Mike Burnup. Um, and they, the one after the spring game. And they had inserted audio clips from Burnup interviewing Brian, one of the things. I mentioned was Chance Black. So um, I'm interested to see see where that goes. And I think a lot of it maybe depends on a lot of these young guys, right? It, like you said, if Coney, if Coney, they feel comfortable about him being the fourth guy, clearly they like Duke. Well, what about the young guys coming in in, in the DB room? And if they think Chance Black might have more of a chance to play and have an impact immediately instead of some of those young guys in the DB room, maybe that's a, maybe that's an option. Um, and I think it's interesting how you, how you mentioned linebacker. Um, I'm curious to see when, when Stone Snyder gets on campus this summer, you know, what, when we go, when we jump ahead to, to August, um, and they're in fall camp where he kind of falls in, in, in the pecking work, because I obviously somebody that has a lot of experience, um, But yeah, I think they're kind of missing that guy. They've obviously got Lawson, and they've got Jenkins. Who's the Mike? Who who does it shake out to be? Stone Snyder is an A plus plus name. Yeah, for
1: linebacker to begin with, but for Virginia Tech as a linebacker, especially with the Hokie Stone. Uh, so many great puns that you can do with the headlines and I'm sure that I will do
0: on Twitter uh, (laughs) terrible puns and stuff like that well it's a good time to tell everyone that Virginia Tech is partnering with Virginia Green to help create healthy lawns all across Virginia register for a chance to win free lawn care with Virginia Green for the 2023 season again episode 296 of the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by both the First Bank and Trust Company and Virginia Green All right, David I know you had mentioned that we have some awesome basketball content coming up. What can you say about all of that? A three-part series in the works?
2: Yeah, so Drew Scott, former um, former assistant at the, at the D1 level. Um, he's one of our guys on our, on our message boards. Um, he's written some stuff for us in the past. Um, we posted the first part of a three-part series of his stuff yesterday. Uh, he went very, very, very in-depth. And essentially what he's doing is, um, th- this first part, and he wrote about four thousand words. Um, did he, you have fun editing such? Yeah, a Yeah, no, but I, I, <laughs> I, to be honest, it was, it's very interesting, and I think people, um, the, the feedback, first of all, has been fantastic. Um, uh, I posted it this morning, uh, I believe. It is in-depth year-by-year breakdown of each of Mike Young's recruiting classes at Virginia Tech. So essentially laying the table. Okay, Mike Young got here in 2019. Here are the six players he or seven players he had. Okay, here are the different guys that tech brought in. Here's why they brought in these guys in. Here's what they were what they wanted out of the guys. So whether it was the, you know the hunter Couture conversation or you know people forget that Keve Luma came over from Mike with Mike young from offer but he sat out a year because that was before you could transfer and play immediately that was before that was that rule was in play. Um, so he did an interesting job kind of breaking breaking all of that down going through year by year by year by player and explaining that you know hey, Justin Mutz was one of the most underlooked guys in that class um, because he came in with Darius Maddox and Joe Bamasil, and they were two guys that were top 100, top 200 guys in the country, high school kids, right? And then you look at Justin Mutz; he was a guy who committed late in the recruiting cycle, um, kind of over the summer, and it was okay. Well, he's played at High Point, he's played at Delaware, he's a bit undersized. Um, I think people kind of underestimated Justin Mutz, and we obviously know where Justin Mutz's story went. Um, so I, I think it, it, it did a good job kind of summing up Mike Young's first four years um, just from when he took over and kind of the building blocks and and to now where he's getting the the right you you can kind of see a trend of the kind of stylistic guys he's getting into the program and i won't i don't want to spoil too much um but but Drew did a really good job breaking down kind of what an ideal roster breakdown would look like for Mike Young and kind of you want you know this number of point guards and these number of wings and you want these number of this, this player, this position, and you want this number of situational players that can do this, this, and this. I thought it was really interesting. So parts two and three, um, part two, he's kind of going to go in depth a little bit about, um, just how, now that we know the, what essentially Virginia tech's roster is completely set. Um, kind of how the 23, 24 roster with the addition of, um, you know, a couple of additions, Makai long, Tyler nickel, Robbie Barron out of the transfer portal, how those guys kind of fill all those buckets. Uh, and then he's got a third piece that'll come out soon too. Um, and I sat down with Robbie Barron earlier this week. I wrote a feature on him that came out yesterday. Um, awesome guy, uh, big dog guy. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to read it. I encourage everybody to go check it out at tech Um, one, the, the it was it was really cool talking with him because he's a kid from Richmond, doesn't have any in-state ties really. Um, his mom went to Randolph Macon, his dad went to Penn State, so so he didn't grow up a Tech or UVA fan. His decision came down to Tech in Miami, um, and his sister who is 16 months older than him, uh, Anne Marie, she's a student in VCOM here, um, and so he came down with his U-Haul from Northwestern, came down to Virginia Tech, um, visited her, went and hung out with Sean Padula, Hunter Couture, and then they went to Mike Young's house, and um, he just liked it so much. He he was uh, on I-64 on the way back to Richmond with his U-Haul in a spot with terrible cell reception uh, and called Mike Young and told him that he was coming, and Mike Young was afraid that... uh, uh, he was afraid that that mike young wasn't going to understand what he was saying because this the cell service was so spotty but um but yeah i i wrote a lot about his his dogs and um he's getting a his second he's finishing up his first master's degree he's getting a second master's degree in applied animal behavior and learning or therapy something along those lines wow. um yeah so he loves he loves animals he has two dogs um, he's got that dog in him. Yes, that's <laughs> what. That's what a- Andy jokingly Please told me. I well, said that should have been the headline. Yeah, that should have been the um, headline
1: yesterday. Come on, but uh, <laughs> but yeah,
2: he's he's a really really cool guy. Great interview. Um, nice guy. Very down to earth. Um, and on the basketball court, I think he's going to fit Virginia Tech just fine. Um, he's kind of a guy who prides himself on doing the little things, playing good defense. He's going to be used a little bit different at Tech than he was at Northwestern. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the stuff, the, the men's basketball content that's been going on last week. I went and sat down and talked with members of the Virginia tech women's basketball staff. Um, so I'm planning to, to finish out, finish my feature and, and publish that later this week, kind of on what went into their scouting reports this year and why Virginia tech women's basketball was so good. And Kenny Brooks talked so much about how, how smart his group is, um, They had to, and we talked about this a little bit, um, Gio, I'm sure, where Kenny Brooks mentioned that he had to, at times, dumb down their scouting reports because they were taking in so much information that they weren't focusing on. basic stuff they weren't just going out and playing basketball um so was really cool I sat down I spent two hours in Han Hurst last week talking with the the women's basketball assistants so that's another thing that's coming out this week and of course Andy has a couple different football things he's got his mailbag uh since Chris Coleman wants to go and be king charles biggest fan uh, i'm taking over that sweet friday slot yeah <laughs> chris isn't gonna get
1: it back once he comes back it's gonna get <laughs> wally pipped here i'm gonna take it over so
2: yeah tons of good stuff coming out uh, jason stame brandon patterson i'm sure i posted a jason stame article earlier about um uh an offensive lineman from north cross uh in roanoke um I don't want to butcher his name, so I'm not going to say it, but go check it out on techsideline.com. He's down to a final two of Virginia Tech and Wake Forest. So he's German, correct? Yes. His and, and his, they could get this German pipeline I here, know. Hans Hammer so, already. So, and so and and <laughs> I believe Hammer went to North Cross too, right? Or maybe he went to a different school in Roanoke. Is is it the same? I can't
0: remember.
1: Um, clearly, if you get both of them, they're gonna to have to be called the Berlin Wall.
0: Oh I like that Hans Hammer. See, the, I'm always thinking. This is this is how let's I think see, of these
2: Han, things. Hans Hammer went to, um, yeah, he attended North Cross in in Roanoke, so it's the same high school. Um, so yeah, a little bit of a pipeline. Um, Jason wrote that um, the guy's parents are coming in town this week from Germany, so they're going to go tour Wake Forest again. They're going to come tour Virginia Tech again, and then it's going to come down to his decision. So keep an eye on that. Cool. Anything from you, Andy, before we let our viewers go? I just have
1: about two hours worth of Phil Elmation quotes to go through (laughs) from a month ago. It was in the heat of spring ball. I'm like, we'll get to this once spring ball's over. And now spring ball's over. And I'm like, man, that's a lot of quotes to go through. He talks a lot. He had a ton of great stories. I'm probably going to be able to break that into two or three stories just because it was so much content. But uh, he's quite a character and it came through and all the stories he had to do. I think people will enjoy that.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you guys for your time. Appreciate it as always. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to go ahead and hit that notification bell so you don't miss any future TSL content. Like and subscribe if you're on YouTube and follow along on Spotify. You can interact with everyone here on Twitter. And again, thanks for tuning in. For Andy Bitter, for David Cunningham, for Carter Hill behind the scenes, I'm Giovanni Heater signing off. We'll see you next time on the Tech Sideline Podcast.